So we've got a question here. Um, maybe this shirt. This is old school time. And this hat. Got this hat in 2011. It's 2020. Had this hat for, I actually won this hat in a running race in New York back in 2011. Time flies when you're having fun. Do you need a cycling coach? Do you even need a running coach? Hmm. I would say yes and no. I would say not so much a coach, but a mentor. Someone who can give you advice. Because let's say you get a, unless you're a full-time athlete, you don't have a job, you don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, all you do, you know, study, you just live at home, everything's taken care of, and all you do is eat, train, and recover. And then a coach who's experienced high level is going to really, really help you, right? Because nothing else goes in your world. You are 100% just an athlete. Now, if you have a job, if you have children, a spouse, partner, social life, all these other things that can influence your energy levels, drain massive energy out of you that could be going to recovery and training, then a coach doesn't really understand that. So you'll get some program that could be written up for the full-time athlete who's living like a, a monk, you know, and that could be the same program they write up for you. But you've got four kids. You've got a wife who's doing an undercarbed, low-carb, keto, calorie-phobic program. So you've got to deal with her. You know? Or you've got a kid. Maybe your kid's got autism. Or maybe you know, you've, you've got no kids, but you've got a crazy job where you work 90 hours a week. You know? So you try to follow this training thing, and then you're caught up too late to go to work. And... It just and then throws things out, and you're like, oh, I can't do that, and you're trying to do makeup intervals. It's just, it's just, it's not real world. Uh, so I, I like to live as much as I can in the first world. I like to try and live in the real world when I'm giving advice to people. What's the best advice for you? Now, this was asked in my coaching group, um, which I think is fantastic. It's a fantastic service, fantastic value, and this is from a, a person from India. Now, I've got people all international in my coaching group. Uh, he was saying, should I get a coach? He's done 10,000 kilometers so far on the bike. He wants to get fitter. Should you do it, get a coach? You can, you can do that if you want. You can spend money on that or time on that. But I would say it's not going to help you get your best, you know, in my opinion, because it doesn't take into your daily lifestyle. It's like the reason why my girlfriends, if they want, get really fast, really quick, is because I'd cater their training every single day based on their hormonal cycle. My girlfriends don't use the contraceptive pill. I've got a vasectomy, so it's just fantastic. They can have, be more natural, more feminine like that, and better sex without the contraception. Pill hormones, this is not good. So with my girlfriends, you know, we can, I can look at their, I never use heart rate, because heart rate's like, pff, too many variables. I only use power. But what I do is I feel their mood I look at how much carbohydrate they're eating the days beforehand, what time they go to the bed. I, I, don't, I make a mental note of that, you know, and then I think, mm, no, nah, I'm not going to get them to go hard today or long or whatever. Not that my girlfriend's train hard or much at all, but just enough to get, you know, good fitness, to have healthy levels of hormones and have a nice, uh, you know, toned, fit-looking physique. Um, whether you're a little bit of a bigger girl, you know, naturally, you just, you know, you're bigger, or you're... A smaller girl, naturally. Either way, you'll be big, toned, beautiful, or small, toned, beautiful, wherever, whatever your genetics lies at, you know. Um, some people are born to be marathoners more than, you know. Well, some people are born to be marathoners, and some people are born to be sprinters, I should say. Genetics. 
you know, but everybody, everybody can be slim with their genetics into consideration there. So, so my girlfriends, you know, there's no training because what, what if you wake up and you've got a sore knee or you've got a headache or you're a bit dehydrated or you're just having sex till 3 a.m. and then you got to do a, a, you know, intervals that day. Like what, like what's the point of doing that really? Then you just dig yourself into a hole. Your recovery is hindered, you know? And then the next day you got to do this and that, but you haven't recovered from the intervals, you know, and then it starts to stack on. And so what I see over the last 23 years of racing, I'm just trying to get comfortable here in this bed. The last 23 years of racing, what I've seen is so many athletes go really, really good. Some of them went to Europe to race professionally, like on the world tour. And some of them just totally poof, just quit the sport, got on drugs, eating disorders, all sorts of craziness, right? So I've seen the, I've seen the works, you know, I've seen the works. And that's why I don't recommend these training programs of like, you know, today you go to this, tomorrow you go to that, because it doesn't take into account real life. You know, are you a robot or are you a human? You know, and what I recommend, you got to have some sort of template that's flexible and points you in the right direction. What I recommend, because it works so well, is once a week you do a time trial or a race, whatever. Once a week you give 100% effort. You know, regardless of what your fitness level is. Like the other day I did a, a 5K, you know, and I haven't I've been ran 72 Ks this year. 72 Ks this year, we're in December. So I've ran 72 kilometers the last was it 49 weeks. So that's average of maybe two kilometers a week, which is about three hundred meters a day of, of running and jogging. Um so you know very, very minimal. But 5k i can do a 5k you know and so i ran 18 18 and i gave it 100 percent well i gave it 100 percent in terms of that i wasn't sure how my legs my tendons would go so i was you know i didn't go full kamikaze so i was a bit mindful of like mm, will i will this be too much for my achilles tendons will this be too much for my ligaments in my knee that they're not warmed up you know so i I didn't go 100 percent because it was like first run in, but I, I still gave it a lot of effort. You know, I was still breathing, especially the last K. I was like, okay, there's we've got no tightness here, we can we can go for it. Last K did a 327, just opened up a bit for me, which is fast for me, you know. Um my fastest K I think is like a 246. But for me, you know, doing that weekly TT is just like you know, and even if you don't do it weekly, it twice a fortnight, uh, once a fortnight, you know. Like, it's the game changer. You know, I think most people don't race enough. I'll race any time the universe gives me a race. Whether it's a 5K running race, aka park run. Because park run's not a running race, Harley. It's just a fun jog. A Boston Marathon is a fun jog for some people. New York City Marathon is a fun jog for some people. And for some people, they put their absolute life on the line, take a shit ton of doping products, do everything it takes to win, you know. It's just, it's just a fun, it's just a fun, right? Whatever, man. If it's from A to B, like, that's why I'm so much fitter than all my critics out there, or I last longer than them. Because they're like, they have these, these people out there have these impossible standards to maintain. So they might get to a decent level. Most of them do. Most of them never get to my fitness level. Most, 99% don't. And the 1% or so who do, by the time they're my age, they're long gone. Because expectations, this is so bullshit, man. You know, like, well, that's not a race. Well, that's not a UCI race. Well, that's not the world champs. Well, that's not state champs. Well, it's not the Olympics. Well, it's not Tour de France. Well, you didn't win it. 
Oh, you didn't win it, but it's, you didn't win it five times. Or you didn't win it seven times. Like, just like, you know, it's just haters talking dribble. So you'll get people say, oh, but that's not a running in you. Just talk a dribble. <laughs> Understand, and that's part of it as well. If you let these people affect you mentally, then that trees into your recovery. Deep breath, breathe it out. <sighs> you know, this is just, people, everyone's allowed to have an opinion, right? Haters are allowed to have their opinion. I'm allowed to have my opinion. People who, people who differ to me, they're allowed to have their opinion as well. Right, so, I don't think you need a coach for training in terms of a template to follow day to day, rigidly set. You know, I, no matter how I feel, I've got to do this. I've met so many athletes who've done that, and every single one of them, if I look back today, December 7th, 2020, how many of those people who follow that? None of them are still going, man. All of them burnt out. You know? And I would say the sad part is they blame themselves instead of accepting that life happens. People get pregnant, people have kids, people don't have vasectomies. You know, you have a crash, you know, you, you get a flat tire, you didn't bring a spare or the spare fail, and now you gotta go, it's just, yeah, you know, now you're late for work, so you miss your sit, like, things happen, so don't take it on, you know, don't take it on your shoulders as a burden, right? So my main thing as a coach, as a trainer, as a mentor would tell people, Live lightly, race hard. You know, like when it's your da when it's your weekly TT, or when you're riding up a hill and the universe gives you someone to race against, boom, go full gas. You know, and that's why I live in Adelaide, Australia, because it's like it's riding bike up Northern Summit at 100 watts. Someone's going to come past at some point, and then the race is on. Or I just hover around the bottom and wait for a group to come up, and boom. The other day I was going out there and did a warm up lap, one came back down, and just as I turned around. Like the perfect sinking, there's a bunch coming up, you know, and we, and we went pretty fast. So it was really cool. So the universe for me is like the best teacher. If a race presents it to you, do it, as long as you don't have any injuries, right? If the race presents it to you and it's safe, do it. I don't recommend racing through traffic. I don't recommend ra running races in the wet on concrete and slippery. It's just like, you know, if it's safe to do so, do it. Because the less risks you can take, then, you know, it's like, why take unnecessary risks that can just hinder your, your recovery, increase your chance of injury, accident, or something? No, don't, don't want to be doing that. That's why my form of racing these days is more safer racing. On Saturday, when I did the park run race, I was going to go to another park run, but it was starting to piss down with rain. I looked on the radar, and I'm like, well, I'm not... Gotta let the rain stop me from doing my weekly TT, which I want to, because I'll enjoy it. I need to get back into it. And um, I want to get back into it. It makes me feel good all day. And so I looked on the radar, I was like, the rain's coming. And I went to the park run where it's mostly dirt and gravel. You know, I thought, if it gets muddy, that's okay. It'll be safe. You fall over the mud, it's all good. The other park run is a lot of downhills on cement. And it hasn't, you know, it's, when the rain goes, it can be a little bit, maybe a little bit slippery. And I haven't ran for ages, so I'm like, well, It'd be more prudent, more wise to go and do the, you know, the safer part run than the more risky part run. Even though the risk's pretty minimal, I had that option. Right, let's go with that one, and it worked out perfect. You know, I haven't done a fast five k, or I haven't raced a five k since March. So that's nine months, about nine months. So my first five k race back. What what sense would that mean? Be running in the rain on wet concrete, 
even though I've got the skill to be okay, the, the chances of falling over might be enhanced. Just, you know, for, for what? Just for a 5K TT, I'm gonna risk my health? Nah, what's the point of that? So that's the sort of thing a coach won't really tell you. You know, that's the sort of things that you have to learn for yourself. I mean, maybe if you get coached by me, you have that. But uh, I try and, that's why I do so many videos, is trying to coach people, give, give people the wisdom, the understanding, just to think to yourself, uh, think for yourself and, and critically analyze things and, and you know, but a coach generally, we, coaches are humans and us humans, we have egos and we have biases and we have traditions we don't change. So a lot of coaches I know um, personally or know of from talking with the athletes, you know, there's not many coaches out there who are really flexible, you know. I know, uh, yeah, I could tell you some stories, but it might create a bit of drama for some cyclists and athletes out there. So let me think of something. Hmm. I know coaches out there who don't promote vegan lifestyle. You know? I know a lot of coaches out there who who know me or know of me in person or via YouTube social media. They're like, yeah, vegan diet, need protein. But a lot of the athletes followed my advice and have absolutely dominated. Right. We're talking Olympic level, national level, state record level. We're talking domination, right? And or even if you don't set any records, that's cool. Just feeling better, having better health and better mental health. Because no longer are you putting your fingers down your throat to throw up food because you had that fatty, greasy, whatever. Now you're filling up on sugar, white rice, and fruit, and you're like, "Wow, I'm really skinny. This is pretty good for running. This is good. I don't have to throw up anymore." Yay, you know, and so you had, and that, that carries on for life because that's great if you can run a 10k marathon really fast. But what happens when you're at home with your boyfriend or girlfriend or your family or your mood? Or you know, what I mean? who cares if you're the fastest person out there? If you're total nut, that, there was a suicide a few years ago, one of Australia's best female triathletes. You know, I found out last night she killed herself, and I, I'd, I'd spoken to her quite a few times when I was at the Institute of Sport in Canberra when she was there, and, and she was like a a role model for me back in the 90s and early 2000s, you know. And I found out last night she killed herself, man. That's crazy, you know. Like, I can guarantee that she would have been undercarbed, probably coming in off caffeine or whatever medications sometimes people take. It's so unfortunate, you know. I was like, wow, this is so like, wow. That person had such a depth of life experience that they could share with other athletes, other people. But they, and they killed themselves. They felt so bad. You know what I mean? So a lot of athletes out there, eating disorders are so common, man. So common. I would say 99% of professional runners and cyclists have eating disorders. Right? 99%. Maybe it's, maybe it's 100%. I was going to say 99%. could be 100 Um, Because once you start, like, understanding the importance of, like, body weight to power, you know, lean, slim, lightweight, all that stuff, then it's very easy for bad habits to get into. Disorder eating, eating disorders. You know, that's another thing coaches don't really talk about. Coaches just go, well, you know, you got to lose more weight. You're looking a bit tubby. Eat less, move more, you know, <laughs> have a protein shake. Why are most coaches fat? You know, fat coaches should not be given nutritional advice to their athletes. It's like, fat coaches just make fat athletes because generally fat coaches are, well, you can have a bit of carbs, but you got to earn them. And the athletes go, okay, coach. And the, the athletes start thinking that. And the athletes getting fatter and fatter and fatter. You know, 
not not in terms of like a metabolic rebound fatness, but just and then you see the athlete at the end of the career, you think, wow, if you haven't gone totally crazy from starving yourself, you know, you soon will. So that's another thing as well. Um, most coaches have no idea of nutrition. They just, you know, they're well-meaning. A lot of them are well-meaning. They're sincere, but a lot of them are sincerely wrong. You know, there's not many coaches in the world who are as lean as me. Um, you know, with, there's not many out there. You know, even if you include all the ones who starve themselves, who you know abuse stims, those two things, or have and or have eating disorders, which is generally the, the two that start there: starving self and abusing stims. They go hand in hand. Um, yeah, so it's crazy. So I try and be the. Uh, it might sound. It does sound very arrogant. It does sound very arrogant, but I try and be the, the light, the lighthouse to let people know you don't have to starve yourself, you don't have to abuse stims, you don't have to do some crazy training. So you got a pelvic fracture or shin splints or, you know, neck issues or like don't you don't have to do that. All you have to do, is base your diet, super low fat, unlimited carbohydrate, white rice, white sugar, fruit, fruit juice, steamed potatoes, steamed corn, boiled potatoes, boiled corn. Keep away the fatty foods, and if you're getting too lean, add more fatty foods in. I do. I have fatty foods every week. I have avocados, or Rebel Whoppers, or fries, or vegan ice creams. You know, not too much because I don't like that bloody feeling next day, but just enough to preserve the body fat. And also, I don't train much. You know, I find if I train, you know, too much, just get super super lean, which is great for my performance, and I feel fine. But look, I mean, look how skinny I am. You know, I'm about 76 kilos, six foot. Okay? Imagine, and if I didn't do any anabolic steroids, didn't eat any fatty foods, I'd probably be like 60 kilos. <laughs> 60 kilos, 62 kilos, 57 kilos, around there, age 43, six foot tall. It's not going to be a good look for most people. You know, They're going to be like, you're lean, but man, something wrong with you. <laughs> so... That's why I just laugh, man. I laugh and cry at when I hear coaches saying, limit your carbohydrates. And I'm just thinking, man, like, you don't even look like an athlete, dude. You know? Or your wife's obese or fat because she follows your advice. And she feels like crap because she follows your advice. Carb phobia, you know? Vegan phobia. Sad. So again, no hate for these people, just frustration that you know, that they suffer, and then the athletes suffer. You know, it's generally not the coaches who make the athlete; it's the athlete's drive that makes them. Right? Because you, what I've seen of you know, elite level runners and cyclists, nine nine percent of them have eating disorders, so they just want to be around someone who enables that. They want to be told eat less or eat this or do the, do this training. Right? So the coaches are like. You know, the coaches, you know, they, they, I'm not going to say don't do much, but it's like, once you're at a certain level, you know how to train yourself, you know, you know how to train yourself. I know, I know how to train myself to get super, super fit. Once a week, TT, you know, stretching, recovery, hydration, blood volume. But in terms of training wise, that once a week, TT, specific to the distance I'm trying to get it good at. If I'm trying to run a marathon fast, I recommend you know, at least a 30K or a two-hour time trial at marathon pace once a week. You can do that if your lifestyle supports it, you know, or well, at least every two weeks you can do that. I guess the marathon's probably, you know, a bit, need a bit more recovery time. But 5K, you can smash out fast 5Ks once a week. 
you know, uh, 10Ks even. So just being, or just training for that specific distance, you know, whatever it is. Um, if you're a 24-hour racer, you want to be able to do 24-hour rides, it's like, no worries, bro. Just easy. I can do a 24-hour ride, no worries, you know. And so it's about training specific. The coaches and people want this fancy stuff. If it's too basic, too too simple, people are like, I could have done myself. So what coaches do, they get you doing, you know, like little waving little pool noodles around and just like just this romantic, fancy, wanky stuff that's got nothing to do really with specific training. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's just it's crazy. You know, so do you need a coach? Yes and no. Um I would say just ride around, use your bike for transport, and do once a week TT. And that's gonna get you so fit. That's gonna get to your to your, I'd say, 99% of your natural genetic limit. And if you wanna to go to the top, then you gotta dope. You gotta use drugs. Um, just like everyone else is at the top. Not because they're bad people, because that's just how it is. This hat's black, this t-shirt's made out of cotton. It's just how it is. If you want to get your very, very best results, you have to use performance-enhancing substances. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying that's the truth. That's a mirror behind me. All right? Just telling you the truth. All right? <laughs> There's no one out there at the top who's natty. Nobody. Of course, I have to say, but such and such says they're natural. No, no. What, are you going to get on public, on live TV? You know what, guys? Yeah, I, I'm juice for the food. I'm juice for the girls. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever take any performance and drugs? Oh, no. Nah, would never do that. A dumb question deserves an ex exceedingly dumb answer. Have you, have you used any Mr. drugs this year, Mrs. Mrs.? No, nah, mate, never touched drugs. No. Nah. Wouldn't even know where to get them. Would drugs even help in swimming? Don't even think they would, mate. Do drugs even help in CrossFit? No. Nah. Steroids? Wouldn't even know nothing about it. <laughs> so that's just the deal there. Uh, we were rant and rave. Um, you, you coach yourself. The self-coached self athlete is going to be the best because you understand your lifestyle. You understand yourself. And it also makes you more wise as a person. You know. I mean, take opinions from people, but you want to be, be self-coached. You don't want to just go blindly follow boom, 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 boom. When I see athletes just blindly follow a training program, that they never get to their best, ever. The best training program is the one that's catered to you. And it's written up by you. you know? And you it feels super romantic and special that someone writes something up for you, but that's just generic. They give it to someone else. You know? And that person might have a totally better or worse lifestyle than you. And if the person, no, no, it's special just for me, it's custom for me. Yeah, right. But let's say it is, it still doesn't take into account your hormonal values and like you know what I mean? Your home your, like how you woke up that how you how you slept. Did you were you banging till four AM this morning? If you were, you shouldn't go and do a hard session afterwards. You did it last night. You know? If it was good, it would. So it has to be, be self-coached. The best coaches you want to have, um, you know, someone like myself or just people who can pick you up on your form and technique. That's where you want to have coaching, right? If you're a cyclist, okay, have you sit on the bike? You, know, you like stiff up like that, your arms locked, bend them. Things like that. You want to have posture coaches. That's the best money there. My best advice, running, you know, are you like running like this or are you running like that? That you want to have coaches that pull you up on that. I see, and same with martial arts. A lot, of, a lot of martial arts coaches, man, they don't pull you up on your form or whatever. You just learn the sloppy form. So it can be hard to find actually a good coach. Um, 
and, and but there's so much marketing BS and coaching, you know. But again, people want it. People want to spend money, man. People want to say, "Oh, I've got a coach. I've got an S Works. I've got a Pinarello. I got Nike." Like people want to spend money on stuff for status. Well, I've got a coach. I got this. Tra- I got to do this. I'm doing four hours recovery on Strava. Like people want to, you know, that's normal. It's like that uh, status masturbation, man. People want to do that, and so if, if uh, and that's fine. That's there's good money out there for coaches to, you know, to capitalize on people's status masturbation. You know, my coach says he's doing four hours easy today with a couple of SEs and a bit of easy overs and 15 on, 45 second off, and you did it. It's like, you know, and you ask, I think, why they're doing that? Oh, it's coach got me doing it, you know? It's, it's crazy. Uh, you ask what their hemoglobin is. Do you know how many athletes that say, what's your hemoglobin? They don't even know. They don't even know what their hemoglobin is. And I'm just like, what? Like, that's like saying oh, I invest in crypto and like how much is Bitcoin at the moment? Oh, I don't know. It's like, what? You know? That's a, that's a crazy one. You ask an athlete, what's your hemoglobin lately in the last month? They're doing a big training block. You should only do a big training block if your hemoglobin's really good. Otherwise, you just run yourself into the ground. <laughs> and so these athletes don't even know what the hemoglobin is. And I don't, I don't say that as like, uh, nye, nye, nye. I say that as like, that's important, man. That's important. It's like working on carbon fiber bikes and not having a torque wrench. I mean, if you know what five newton meters feels like, okay, but you should know, you know, what your hemoglobin is if you're trying to be, you know, your best. Or look, or look after your health. It's training hard with low hemoglobin, it just it's just going to set you up for life in misery. You're going to feel like crap. You're not going to get your best results. You're going to have poor. You're going to have good glow. You're going to have poor energy, you're going to be like moody, stuff like that. Or if, you're, if, you're, or if you've got low estrogen or low testosterone as a guy, what's the point of doing hardcore training, man? You just run yourself in your grounds, which you can sort of do in your early 20s. Once you go over that and keep doing it, you just, you're just smashing yourself into the ground. So you should know what your hormone levels are like. And if they're low, go to bed earlier. You know, just go to bed earlier. Should you take steroids and stuff? I don't really recommend you should. I recommend you should. I recommend increase your... I've, I've trained so many or advised so many athletes over the years. I'm like, how should I do? You know, steroids. I know you've used them and you've, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't need them, dude. You're 25. All you do is just cut back all these junk miles. Why, why are you doing so many miles, man? You know, just cut back your dietary fat from lean out. And then they cut their training back, cut their fat intake down, and all of a sudden, testosterone goes back up to normal levels. And I'm like, you could have got a prescription for that, but that's a bit dumb. Because you're doing bad behaviors that cause low T, right? So, and your weight's fine. Like, just just cut back the training. Now, a lot of people don't want to do that, you know? And then it's like, well, I'm not the person to give you advice then because you're not going to take the truth. And so that's why I recommend people is, is they should understand what their blood markers are like. Hemoglobin, if you're doing a heavy training, I can test it, you know, once a month, once every two months. A lot of pro athletes test their hemoglobin every couple of days. You know, it's, that's how important it is. If you're running a lot of hemoglobin, you just run yourself into the ground. So that's the difference, you know, um, between, you know, some top level athletes and just us, us weekend warriors, just understanding blood pathology is really important. A lot of coaches don't even ask you what hemoglobin is. They're going to do you, they're going to set you a crazy training program and go, what's your hemoglobin like? Don't ask that. I've never been asked by a coach. Hang on, let me think. Hmm. Actually, I think at that Institute of Sport in 2001, when I did this little study with them, I was like a lab rat. I think I'm pretty sure they tested our blood values. Pretty sure they did. And um, you know, pretty sure they did. 
and that sort of got me peaked and like, ah, what's this hemoglobin thing? You know? So yeah, that's, uh, but yeah, otherwise no coach has ever, you know, asked me that. But if you're a professional cyclist, then they will ask you, they will be tested very, very frequently. If it's a you know, top level team, or if they see you as a top level rider, they'll be checking him globe. So there you go again, that's the thing. Uh, do you need a coach? Yes and no. Focus on the gains you can get from your equipment, sub seven kilo bike, uh, pacing better, you know, tighter clothing, not too tight, but more aero clothing. Uh, tire pressures, tires, things like that, give performance like Increase your carbohydrate intake, decrease your fat intake, increase your hemoglobin. I've got plenty of videos about that. B12 injections, maybe iron supplementation, more sugar, less training, drop training down, go to bed, 8, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., that'll increase your hemoglobin. Um, things like that. You, your hydration, all those things will boost your performance. So you get this little training plan over here and you you just work yourself into the ground doing this. Meanwhile, over here, you've got all this equipment and nutrition and low-fat diets, increased carbohydrate, B12, all these things that will really give you the best results. And you ignore them. <laughs> you ignore them. Every day I'm on the bike, I see athletes who ignore the good stuff, the free stuff or the super cheap stuff, and just pulls efforts on this stuff that's like just status masturbation. Or my coach says, what are you doing? What's, what's coach got doing tomorrow, mate? You, you, you. Crazy stuff, man. So I generally find the coached athlete burns out. If you're following a, a training program, a rigid one, I would say 99.9%, you got to burn out. And in the meantime, those rare athletes who don't burn out, they're just so hard to live with. They're so like, <sighs> people say, well, that's what you got to do to be an Olympic athlete. Yes and no. There's flexibility there. But that's another video, how to be more flexible in life. You know? But yeah, life happens, man. And so just focus on recovery, recovery, recovery. Focus on that once a week effort, whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes, we give it balls to the wall, all that effort. And that's what you have to do, man. Rest of the week, cruising, focusing on form technique. Once a week, five to 30 minutes, all out, full gas. Listen to some good music, do it in a safe environment, pay attention to surroundings, pay attention to the pavement or the road, and go all out, put on Strava. If it's not Strava, it didn't happen.